0: Welcome on in. Endswell Boxing. Ireland's boxing podcast. I'm Al Rich. Click on the link in the attached show notes. You'll find all our previous episodes. If you want to get in touch, suggestions, ideas, you'll find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or you can email us at endswellpod at You're welcome on in indeed. It's a privilege and a pleasure to be in your ears for episode number 104. 104, would you believe? And right from the jump today, I'm going to give a big shout-out, a big, 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 big happy birthday to a little big man, Rocco Duffy, all the way down in Australia. His mum and dad, our Joey and Dobbo have been a huge, huge part of my journey. So happy birthday, little Rocco. hope you're having a good one. I hope you got spoiled rotten. In a week when... We've hit the top spot in the Irish Sports News podcast charts. And as happy and as delighted and as proud and as humbled as I am, I'm always mindful, always conscious and always wary that you're only a success the moment that you commit that successful act. And from there on, you got to build on it and consolidate. So that's what it's about. And I want to thank everybody that's listening and everybody that's downloaded, streamed, contributed, helped in any way, shape or form. The dreams are big. The hopes are big. The plans are even bigger again. Stick with me. And we'll all get there together. Coming up in today's episode, we have the Irish, American boxer, MMA fighter and former WBO featherweight champion, Heather Hardy. My
1: manager said to me about a month ago, he said, Listen, I don't know what to tell you. One minute you're eating fucking pizza in the towel and the next minute you're talking about healthy workouts.
0: And joining Heather also as a guest on this episode is two-time Irish elite champion from the Dublin Docklands Club, Emmett Brennan. Um, yeah,
2: I think it's you'll be exactly away from that. to be beneficial. Um where you don't want you don't really want to be trying to flat of the mat at the moment,
0: especially if you don't have a plan. Jumping into the shout because I missed them last week and you were I was I was pulled up on it. And I love being pulled up on stuff. So gonna get the shout outs done. Sharkey, Dean Byrne, Siobhan O'Leary, Yasmin Gray, Colly Cahill, Thanks a million to everybody who's commented and been in touch and replied to any of my messages and stuff. Uh if you get a chance get along to Column Cahill on Facebook, have a listen to his his cover version of Bed of Roses, one of my personal favourites, cracking tune, and thanks again, Collie. Eddie Tracy, Mark Buckley, shout out to you guys out there in Bray, hope everything is going well, and Ella McChrystal, who invited me onto her Insta Live last conversation last Friday night, where we did an hour's chatting about pressures and perfection and everything else, and it was really, really good, so thank you for that, Ella, always, always love that. Now, here's a special well Boxing shout out to a very special lady. Most of you will remember Judy Fitzgerald, and a frontline champion. Judy's a nurse as well as Miss Fitness Ireland, a model as well as a ring card girl, as well as everything else. And she was on with us early in the podcast life last year. Judy was in touch. Listen, amazing work you and your cohorts are doing, Judy. When history is written, I don't know will it ever be able to be repaid. So thank you. And as they say in America, thank you for your service. Keep up what you're doing. You're, You're an inspiration. Dean Byrne, quick off the mark as always. Dean, thanks a million for you and your messages. Lots of anniversaries and memos popping up across social media. Some of them bring a a special smile because when they pop up on my page, they can take me almost instantly back to where I was last year when I posted them. And a lot of confusion and a lot of questions and a lot of will I, could I, should I, would I. And the answer to all of them now is yes. And in, in place of some of those doubts have come some fantastic relationships. Some pretty special and that's all we'll say it. Junior and Wolfie Thompson, big shout out to you guys over there in Liverpool. Junior, of course, is a middleweight boxer. His dog, Wolfie, is one of the most fascinating dogs I've seen. One of the most intelligent, one of the most entertaining. Shout out to you guys and, of course, to his coach, D-Tag. Thanks a million, D, for all your help, all your comments, all your insight, all your advice and all the research material. I really appreciate it. Levi, Alison and the gang, hope you're all well. As I said earlier on, to Dobbo, Joey, Baby Rocco and the rest of the family, hope you're having a good time down there. Hope you're all safe. And you've had a rough 2020 in Australia. To Dennis, Desi, uh, Nick, all all the different gang in Australia. That I, I don't want to like uh, Bobby, Man, all those guys, everyone that's been in touch so regularly. Kieran Mooney, Laura, Anya, all the gang. It's, it's it means the world, and I hope you've had. As I said, you've had a rough 2020. You're on the bounce now. This COVID nineteen thing will be in the past. We'll be looking at it in the rearview mirror, and we'll be cruising off into the sunset, thinking, "Yeah, we walked that." Special mention, of course, to my old pal, Chris Viva Levegan in Newbridge. Credit to you, my man. You've been there right from the jump. Right from that jump. I and mean, it goes back farther than podcasts and farther than uh, careers and businesses and everything else. All the way back. So, special shout out to you and thanks again for all your encouragement. Nicola, Binny, G-Train, Stacey, all the guys that have been in touch. Really, really appreciate it. <coughs> short while ago, I began following a lady that looked familiar on Instagram. Local girl, I'm not going to mention any names. Recognised the face, of course, put the name to the face, and a bit like the Christy Moore song, Sean McComb will always love Christy Moore references here. It'll be, you uh, know your face, or your Paddy Riley, or your Brendan Grace, or something along those lines, anyways. But yeah, spotted the face, I thought, I know that girl. Started to look at what she was posting, and she was learning, she was teaching, she was getting to know what she doesn't know, as we all are. She was better than herself every day. I was really enthused and, and inspired by some of the posts, and I reached out and sent a couple of messages, and I invited her on because she's she's doing some uh, work and some teaching and some learning in in the fields that we're all trying to learn, which is of course in the boxing game and and boxing relevant business. And with most accounts, unless you're unless they're a particular friend or close friend or one of the circle, uh, I, I don't focus too much on social media i'll spend a little bit of time if i'm watching tv but i'm watching some good stuff this week stay tuned to see what's coming up on that some cracking stuff um but recently i noticed that there wasn't any posts and then i did happen to look page was gone i think or i couldn't find it so more often than not it's a case of me not knowing and me not being able to find it and me just being a a dope so yeah anyway long story short I noticed on the weekend the page came back online and there was a post and I thought, oh, there's the fresh face again, the smiling eyes and everything else. And it pained me to listen to the video. and It pained me to hear her story and subsequent messages backwards and forwards. And let me just add to this that I don't know this person too well. I don't know her very well at all. And I've never met her. I haven't met her in close on 20 odd years, I think I would say. Or more, if even. And... um. Just, we got her chatting backwards and forth. And as it transpired, she had been infected, shall we say, by a type of person who had uh, generated an existence, created a whole persona, and, and um, had became a a person or a, yeah, I suppose, a figment in her life who was built completely on lies and deceit. Uh, little by little, it had leaked from her... Real world into her mind and it started to affect everything she was doing. Now, as I said, I don't know this lady too well. I don't know her at all. I'd be telling you a lie if I did. But what I did notice was that the little spark that was there when I started following the page early doors it wasn't as bright as it had been. Always bright, but just a little less bright, shall we say. And I don't want to be uh, disingenuous. I don't want to be. Uh, cruel, or or I don't want to to claim that I know a whole lot of anything about anything, but you can see, you can see sparks, and and when you're looking to see, you will see. But what she explained to me was that this uh, negative entity, shall we call him, had become just a toxic negative, projecting all sorts of things on to her and her energies, and in in effect, you you could call it gaslighting, uh, you could call it coercive control, you could call it what you like, but basically... Just somebody that you do not want in your life. Somebody that was dragging all the good out of you. It was an energy vampire. And we see at varying levels in life. We see, and I have to be careful how I choose my words here. And I am choosing my words here. But I'm smiling as I think about it. And um, there's all sorts of names. There's all sorts of tags we can put on these people. But at the end of the day, what they are is a, a drag on you. That can be a drag on your... Everything that you do good and everything that you feel good about, they can suck the good out of it. They can take the energy away from anything by one, one mouthful. Without, some, sometimes without even trying, they, it's just come so natural to them, the toxicity just flows. Now we've all encountered them at different times in our life. I've encountered them, you've encountered them, everybody has. Some are able to deal with them, some are, some are able, some are willing and able, and just don't. Some are willing and able and do. And some are just not able. I consider myself, yeah, I consider myself a, a strong mind, a strong enough will, a strong enough personality. I don't suffer fools. I don't. And the older I get, the less the less inclined I am to tolerate any sort of it. But what I have as I got older is I've become far more empathetic. I've become far more willing to reach out to people. Far more willing to just connect and try, even if it's, a, it doesn't have to be anything behind it or for it or any reason for it. Just to say, hey, how are you? is everything alright, smile, or something simple, and um, I had to learn in my own life, as I said, my, my, my little journey is no secret, it's been discussed, and we've chatted about it here plenty, and it will be plenty more, but for me, when I got to my crossroads, I had to figure out certain personas, and certain personalities, and certain entities in my life, at different levels of my life, of importance, some were key, some were very big, some weren't less. By and large, when you start to figure out where the negativity is spewing from, and when you find the toxicity, and you find where the just the unhappiness is projecting from all the time, and you realise, OK, well, can I fix that? No. Can I? What can I fix? What can I do? Who can I have? Me. What can I do? So what can I do? And little by little, the conversation I had with this lady... Was those realizing those steps of realization from herself, and all I can say here now is, and, I, and I'm not going to be any way um, prophetic. I'm not going to be any way uh, judgmental. I'm not going to be any way thinking I'm above or thinking I'm in any place to to be able to give much, if any, advice. But what I can do is say what I did, which is one by one. If the negativity and the toxicity and the unhappiness and the hate can't be sorted from your side, well then it needs to go. And it's not easy sometimes. It's easier for some than others. But at varying points of your life, until it gets to the stage that you're that unhappy, or that unsatisfied with everything around you, well then you're not going to be willing to change anything. It has to get to the point where it's just too much. And then you change. And when you do, life becomes a whole lot easier. So what I can say to you is, keep smiling, keep that chin up, work on the footwork, keep doing what you're doing, and in the words of Brendan Inga, obsess yourself with the sport, because you're doing amazing. My first guest on this episode, I've been chatting with in the background from some time now, round about Christmas time, started chatting and conversing and planning, And uh, no better time than now, I suppose, when when most, if not all, boxers are trying just to occupy their hours and their days and keep themselves busy. But it's a real, real pleasure to welcome her to this episode and to talk a little bit of how she's been lately.
2: Representing Brooklyn, New York, Heather
0: The Heat Hardy. Tricky and uh, somewhat unusual times for all of us. How's it been for Heather Hardy?
1: I mean... Yeah, like, like, it's been 10 years since I've been home so much, so I'm cooking and, you know, doing all sorts of domestic shit.
0: I'm seeing a whole new side to some people and most people across, certainly those who spend their time across social media since lockdown began. Safe to say everybody is dealing with it in, dealing with the stress in different ways. And kids as well?
1: I think, I think that it's our, it's our job as parents and adults to realize that our kids, well, while oh, they might not be suffering. There be equal, the equal suffering might not be there. Like adults have to worry about finances and things like that. But we're adults. We can adapt. Yeah. I think that we're teachers, we're parents, we're enforcers, we're rule makers and stuff. We have to be extra, extra kind to our children right now because, you know, they're temper tantrums. They're not doing schoolwork. They're adjusting just as, as we're trying to, but they can't pick up a beer. They can't go outside and smoke a J. You know, they've got to just try to deal with their feelings that is already hard enough for these young kids to do. So it's up to us as parents to absorb the extra for our kids.
0: When we talk social media, Heather, yours is as real as it gets. <laughs> I believe real people uh, need to see and like to see that on a daily basis. Nobody's immune from the pressures of this.
1: No, but I I think that it's important for people to see that there's no glamour on the other end of the Instagram, right? Like, like sure, I post some glamour shots and some fancy stuff, and you know, and everything. But at the end of the day, I'm still a mom. I still work full time. I solve the same problems you guys have on a different scale, you know. Like I'm not a multi-millionaire earner where I'm living in this great big house. I'm in a very small one and a half bedroom apartment with a 15 year old who hasn't left the house in five weeks. You know, if somebody would have told me in February, like, hey, you know what? Next month you're going to be unemployed. May- and you're going to be homeschooling your kid. I would say you're crazy. I would say you're fucking crazy. But here I am. Unemployed. hustling, Trying to put food on the table. And at the same time trying to create a good psychological space for my kids. So the outlet that I use for my social media. All the fans. The interaction. You know. I do it for a few reasons. First. When outside the fans going to get to interact with us like this. Normally I don't have time to answer all the questions. To so do the lives. To interact. You know. It doesn't just help yeah it helps me it gives me something to do and um yeah but I go on a roller coaster my manager said to me about a month ago he said listen I don't know what to tell you one minute you're eating fucking pizza in the tub and the next minute you're talking about healthy workouts that's stuff." Awesome. and I'm like you know what brother that's I think where we all are it's a roller coaster one day you're happy and grateful and that everyone's safe and everyone's healthy and you get to cook and be home and make fucking cardboard Paper planes with your kid and then the next day you want to throw them out the fucking window right like you really and it's okay it's okay to admit that that it'd be a little crazy
0: do you think the rigors of camp the battles in the ring and out of the ring and in life in general and the strength that you've endured and been able to build up have stood to you in these past few weeks when the going has got tough
1: yeah it makes sense i mean we learn how to fight through life we learn how to come out on the other side Especially when it seems like sometimes there is no other side. I always talk about that. Like in the beginning of my career, right before I started boxing, I was fighting for battles that there was no end in sight. You know, I didn't have a lot of money. I was working six jobs, trying to feed my kids. Just throughout my whole life. But fighting battles that no matter how hard I fought, I couldn't win. And you get into a ring, and you realize, like, no matter what, you have a chance. I mean, that drives. I that kind of motivation drive here. Having I remember there weren't hours in the day from earning earn money to feed my kid. And this was less than ten years ago. I just looked at a Facebook memory, you know, and it was from two thousand and ten and it said, Can you believe it? I have my bachelor in science degree and I can't even get a job answering phones. I was I was unemployed. I was hustling, hustling to put food on the table for my kids. And now here I am. So I think that's also part of the reason why this whole um pandemic has not got me too crazy, see, because I've been at the bottom and made myself my way up, and I'm, I don't doubt my ability to be able to do it again.
0: And is it realistic to hope when things return to whatever they call quote-unquote normal, that maybe, maybe we'll see a different and a better approach in the sporting world and the real world, as they call it?
1: Um, I've learned over the years not to expect too much, you know, like I was in New York right after 9-11, and... We swore in those times after 9-11 that New York City, you know, and it was just a short amount of months later that, you know, the, the, the crime went up, murder went up, everything went right back to normal. I think that New York is a family, but a family in all like the bad ways of being a family. But right? When people need each other, when we have to rely on each other, we're there, right? It's like your brothers and sisters, behind their back, you can't stand them. But God forbid somebody else has something bad about them, you beat their ass. And that, I think, is what New York is like. When we need each other, we're very, very open. Like, we're here for you. We're here for it. We we put on for our city. But, you know, at push comes to shove, at the end of the day, we're all just hustling and trying to make it out. The city moves so fast. So you have to be self-absorbed. That's why, like, we always have a bad rap. People will say, like, we're rude or we're cold or we're harsh and stuff. It's a busy city that's like, that's like half people who live here, half tourists. So that means you've got 50%. Every other person is trying to get to work. Every other person is trying to take a picture in the middle of the street. You know what I'm saying? We just get a bad rap like that. But at the end of the day, New Yorkers mind their own business. If you need us, we're there. If not, so when this is all over, I don't doubt for a minute that true New Yorkers, real New Yorkers, people who come from here. You know, we got nothing but love for you as long as you don't fuck with me. Let me just make my money. Get in my flow. I just pretend you're not there.
0: No, we can't talk boxing in New York City without talking about Lou DiBella and his promotions. How is that relationship for you guys?
1: Yeah, yeah, I will say with Lou DiBella, we have a, guess me and Lou have a love-hate relationship. You know, like, we'd be fighting all the time. He thinks my mouth is too big. I think he should pay me more money. You know, but at the end of it, you know, we check in with each other every two or three days. Just one little text. Hey, you good? Hey, you need anything? Everybody okay? Hey, you need money? You feeling sick? Mom doing a, you know, like we have a very, it's like like the New Yorker, like family in a bad way. Like if you put us in a room for too long together, me and him will be cursing each other out. He'll be tearing up my contract. He can't stand me, but he loves me and I love him. That's the relationship I have. He got my back. When push comes to shove, he does some people would say that he don't. They'd be like, oh, he don't care about you. You know, Lou is a funny guy like that. He's a very good business person, which which there has to be a bit of... ...in, in being a business person. But he has a heart. So sometimes he will fuck you over, then call you and say he's sorry. <laughs> and you can't really ask for more than that. I respect him. I respect him because he owns his own bullshit.
2: Last 10 seconds, the back to Belgium the feet-
0: One of the most spine-tingling boxing memories in the recent past was of course our girl Katie Taylor round 10 heading down the stretch with Delphine Persoon Madison Square Garden on its feet the camera pans wide and we get to see everybody in the arena on their feet screaming and raucous and part of everything that was going on how is that feeling? what is Madison Square Garden like?
1: Sure, that's where Billy Joel plays his piano. You know, when you're a New Yorker and you're a little kid, you go to basketball games, you go to shows, you, you never imagine yourself there. When I had my MMA day, take-
0: Billy. Joel, yeah, one of my favorites too.
1: Yes, I'm a New Yorker, I love Billy Joel. I've been to see him so many times, I mean, but just to say that, you know, to be in the same spot, I've been in that place, that was just hearty, 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 You You dream of that when you're a little kid, so to be able to have it lived through that, those are top five life experiences.
0: Some of your opponents in the last while have been spiky to say the least, haven't they? Uh, is that something that you bring out? Do you bring it out of them? Do you draw it out? Is that part of your...
1: Ah, 50-50. Some of them, some, some of them were for the cameras, like Shelly Vincent Beef. The first one was real. She hated me. She didn't think I was no good. Yeah, it was a genuine hate. But after that first fight... I was like, bitch, you love me because it was too good, you
0: know? Just want to underline as well that our chat was cut a little bit short on the night in question. Uh, would you believe, as faith would have it, we had a power cut. I had a power cut here right about the time, as we were ju- just as we were chatting. So nevertheless, we had a great chat. We got a little bit covered, a little bit more to come, and we will certainly be organising that in the future. So watch this space. I don't know about anybody else but grown a little bit tired of tv updates and covid blues over the last few days and weeks and months but one one comment that really really caught my attention recently and i thought is this guy for real and government cuomo in in new york had been playing he'd been playing a good game he'd been playing a solid solid back nine in the last few weeks and uh, he claimed recently that quote unquote the virus does not control us and us being mankind and humans and I, I just couldn't help but stop and think and laugh and thought, uh, is he on the sauce? Is he on the uh, crack? Is, is there something going on there? Has he been sniffing something? Um, because how does he understand? How does he go from burying people in open graves in New York two weeks ago to being storing cadavers and dead bodies in ice, fr- ice trucks or freezer, yeah, refrigerated trailers outside? Funeral Homes and Hospitals. Still doing so. And he says that it doesn't control us. But we're in control of it. Okay, Governor McPomo. Cool, yeah. Give us one of those, whatever you're drinking there, son. America, as usual, is divided over political allegiances, really, to be honest with you. You can see the division. You can see where the lines are drawn. Because some states will say, we want to open straight away. Others will say, no, no, we want to stay closed. Of course, it doesn't take an absolute genius to figure out that the ones that want to open straight away are the Republicans because they want Donald Trump and his polit- and his political and his regime to thrive and to be the ones to lead them out of this and to be able to get re-elected and see another four years of uh, feeding at the trough. But the ones that don't want it, of course, are the Democrats who can't even muster a decent candidate to run against them. They see this as being an opportunity to keep everything tight, keep it all shut down. And what's getting lost on these greedy, greedy, overpaid, underworked politicians, who some of which can't even speak, is that there's human lives been lost in all of this. As I said last week, and there was a few people who reached out to say, Hey Al, was everything alright? You were a bit anky? You were a bit aggy? No, I wasn't really aggy. Yeah, a little bit spiky, a little bit here and there. But I feel passionate about something, I'm going to say it. And I feel passionate when people are dying around us. And as I said last week, everybody that's gone, anybody that's passed away, what age doesn't matter, what creed doesn't matter, what religion, what nationality, where, every single one of them wanted to get up the next day. Every single one of them wanted to hold their child, wanted to hug their loved ones, they wanted to spend time next week, and the week after, and the coming days and weeks. They're gone. And that option was taken away. So politicians... Just shut it. If you've got nothing to contribute to the real world, if you've got nothing good to help the real people who are going to be forced one way or the other when all this is over by you lot to pay, I have no doubt about that. If you can't help us and do it unconditionally, well then zip it. What am I watching and listening to this week? Well, I've got some really, really, I've found some good content this week. I really had to go looking. And the top of the pile for me this week is Gangs of London. Enthralled. Absolutely enthralled. I'm engrossed in it. Watched four episodes of it last night and I'm probably going to watch another four of it t- tonight. It stars Joe Cole of Peaky Blinders and of course our very own Ireland's Emmett J. Scanlon who has been in Hollyoaks and a few other films. Phenomenal programme. It, it's super gory but it's super relevant. It's all, of course has that dark underbelly of the underworld. It is fascinating. I cannot recommend it highly enough. It's definitely the best one I've watched in a long time. The other one, best one I've watched ever, as I've said before, as the sports documentaries go, The Last Dance. Michael Jordan, all about maps all of his career from start to finish. We're up to episode six. Absolutely brilliant. From the camera work to the way they speak to all of the major characters and the major players in his career. At one end or another of the scale, whether they're on his side or against him, Brilliant. So well done and so well documented. I cannot recommend those two highly enough. Another one I've watched this week, The Keepers. Now, that one is tough to watch. Again, it's real. It's true. It's heartbreaking. And it's about an absolutely despicable, vile priest in Baltimore in the US. Most people probably know the story. And the things he went on to do to some just, just, to to, to the kids that were under his care. It doesn't even bear thinking about anyone that hasn't seen it. I can't recommend it highly enough. It's not super gory. It's not super descriptive. It is tough at times when you look and listen to some of the victims, but it's about one nun who actually found out what was going on. I don't want to give too much of a spoiler on what went on to happen to her and, what's consequ- and the subsequent cover-up. Disgusting and not surprising, sadly. Something else i watched this week. Two other things for you, just quickly. On Netflix, Extraction is a movie starring, of course, Chris Heddington Chris Hedgeworth, who is of course in Home and Away, all the ladies will probably know who he is, tough guy, shoot him up sort of movie, yeah, it was okay, past an hour, an hour and a half, and the one that I watched for the laugh this week, no pain, is Chris Leah's new spe- comedy special, brilliant, love, love Chris D'Elia. really good, and I, I can't recommend that highly enough either, so there's your watching for this week, podcast, what have I listened to, truth and justice, I'm gone, up to me ears in that again. I'm listening to the, uh, Bob Ruff, of course, is the guy that presents that. It's a true crime podcast, but he takes a case in history which has been uh, controversial or wrong in most cases. And the West Memphis Tree is this one. And he's he's remembering the West Memphis Tree. And I'm just all over that one again. Really, really, really good. Rocky Road this week. Shout out, Kevin Byrne. Man, you are absolutely resetting the bar. My man, you're unbelievable. You're on a run. Incredible. And he has on my pal this week, Wayne McCullough, who I'll be speaking to on Friday. So get your questions in to me. Anyone that wants to chat with Wayne or have anything to say to him, I'll be putting it out this week. I'll put it out tonight. How about that? But his episode this week relives the unbelievable battle between El Terrible Eric Morales and the pocket rocket Wayne McCullough. What a fight that was. Actually, do you know what? I'm going to put a link for that fight in this too. Getting spoiled. And the last but not least two that I listened to this week. Truth Bangers podcast. Mary Kate Slattery. Gotta listen to that lady. What a woman. What a podcast. It's real. It's real. It's relevant. It talks to real people. Gets, uh, can get quite deep at times if that's what you're into. Well and good. If not, fast forward a little bit. But it's dialogue that resonates with people as they describe themselves. I'll put that in as well. And last but not least, of course, you've got to listen to Boxing Life Stories, Tris Dixon, Andy Lee last week. Brilliant. I love listening to him talk about Emmanuel Stewart as I do chatting to Wayne about Eddie. That's your listening for this week. I'll put all the links in the notes below. When Joe or Josephine Public think boxing most of the time they'll think Olympics they'll tune in around the medal fights that stage so once every four years or so perhaps if there's a big, big, big fight in between but as for amateur boxing if if you're not a a, a die-hard fan if you're not a a hardcore fan or somebody who follows a fighter or a fighter family or friend you don't know the day-to-day life of an elite Irish champion in any sport, not just boxing. Emmett Brennan lives that life, eats, sleeps, drinks and consumes it. It consumes him and he has the titles to prove it. He joined me on Sunday to talk about his career to date, his plan, which has been adjusted for Olympics and everything else. And I started off by asking him how COVID camp has been treating him
2: if you're exactly away from exactly beneficial um where you don't want to, you don't really want to be training at flat to the mat at the moment, especially if you don't have a plan going forward. I uh, and I am probably I'm disciplined enough anyway whereas I will train right and I will eat right outside the uh, camp. outside the camp. So yeah, it's not really it's not really something that's bothering me at the moment. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And and I think that will come as a little bit of a surprise, Emmet, to some people, and it's not. And I understand what you're saying because I'm privy to speaking and being close with a couple of fighters who are who are living that life, and and there's a lot of people who will tune in at this time of the year every year and they'll watch you lads and ladies do your stuff and bring home the medals mm-hmm. and then they'll zone out again for another four years but it's not all glory it's not all sparkling sunshine and it's not all rosy is it it's 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 a tough slog camp and do you want to explain a little bit of the of the schedule uh of a, of an elite performance athlete whether it's boxing or anything else
2: yeah well so obviously we're out in a uh, avid town so we're out there shooting friday um, we do two sessions a day, so we normally, you know, have either a physical, a run in the morning, so that would either be, a track session, or else a strength condition. so that would be Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday morning, um, and then, the evening sessions, are always fucking. Um so, that's Monday, so that's Tuesday, the Friday, then I would go own club again, on Monday and Saturday, so basically I train six days a week, um and by the time you get the ride, to be honest with you, you are right. That's tough weeks to training, like the, the radio. Um, then you have everything else on top. You have your sports psychology, you have your nutrition. Um, so it's a tough week. You have everything packed into it.
0: And it's not a case uh, of because a lot of people will say, Ah, what's wrong with them? They're getting some of them are getting they're getting grants. They're living in a hotel. Sure, what's wrong with that? What let me say this, yeah. right: you spend any more than a night or two in a hotel at any length of time in the same hotel, and this is nothing on anybody else, this is no slight on anything, the walls start fucking closing in after a while, and, and, and that's where you see the bonds and the friendships, and so, and sometimes the opposite creeping in, so it's 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 a test of all sorts, isn't it?
2: Yeah, well I suppose that's where I'm lucky, so I'm from Dublin, so I go home to my own house, for well, like, even if you're away, you know. I don't know, you're in Germany, you're in, in Bulgaria or whatever, on the, on the multi-nations, and you're there for a week, I tell you, for day two, you're sick of a hotel. And as you said, it's just four Um, And my coach, Jimmy, Jimmy Half, and he always tells me, there's no place they because um, so not So we're stuck in the hotel a hotel for four nights a week. And we sound luxurious, uh, but so it's far from it.
0: It's far from it when you're when you're trying to make weight when you're when, when you're competing for your slot on the squad when you're when you know there might be a box off coming off or when you're in and you have a test match. People people don't see that side of it, and they like I said they, they tend to you It's a it's a fantastic yes. track record. Um, you box out of Docklands, is that?
2: I box out Docklands now. Yeah, so Jimmy's there with me and uh, Philip too
0: who have seen it all, yeah. done it all, they've, they've, they've pretty much come across anything there is to see, so it's a huge help to be able to draw on that on a daily basis, at would say, is it? Ah,
2: it's brilliant. So I've been with Jimmy, um, Jimmy's basically like family to me. So I've been with him since I started boxing. So I started boxing in St. Um and Jimmy was the one that got me into boxing, so I've known him my whole life. And then I like, suppose I've been down in Docklands, but I've only joined Docklands this year. And Philip Kyo has just been there. Repet fresh year. He's been brilliant. Took um, me in like one of his own. The hours that he's trained me is unbelievable. I probably, can't, I probably can't thank him enough for it. Uh, well, you, for thank,
0: you thanked him enough twice over the last <laughs> two years. I mean, in, in the very highest currency. I mean, you're winning two elite titles. You're representing Ireland in the green vest. And you, and just prior to this uh, crazy, crazy little stage that we're going through at the moment, mm. y- you you had a pretty dramatic win in, in the qualifiers. That must have been a huge boost to everything that you've been doing all the way along. And, and it it reaffirms your belief that you you can't do not Thinking that you can do it to realising, okay, I'm here now. This is what's happening.
2: Yeah, well, it's, you own know, not, fans. I'm not taking that away from myself out of box. He wasn't that big. He wasn't a great quality of a phone so in my head I was expecting to beat be him anyway. But it was just it was just you still had to go out and put the performance in yes. to beat. Um so down the road I will really expect we put a fight stand him. um we went obviously you don't expect the breeding to stop anyone. Anyway. It went a little bit better than we uh, than we planned but what I was happy about was we did come up with a game plan, for the fight, and walk walk down to yeah. walk exactly how we had hoped. So that again that gives you confidence in we already yeah. have confidence in the coaches Dar and John Connor and demon They're obviously great coaches, but when they come they can come up with game plan and if you execute them, nine times out of ten you're gonna win. Yeah.
0: But and, and the magnitude of that win, Emmett, and, and the, the importance of it, probably will be magnified a little bit now, because all things being equal, and all things being as they were, you would have boxed the next day, probably the next day, and there so, and it was compacted in, and now you'd be sitting qualified for Tokyo, that's the best case scenario. But now, yeah. it, it broke, it, it, very strange, I, I was expecting it either to go the whole hog, or not go at all, I I thought I knew you guys had flown out early, you were there a couple of days, I thought everything to that was really, really, as we've come to expect from the boxing uh, squad and, and, and the elite lead elite unit you guys are nothing's left to the chance. They brought you home a little bit early from Italy just to make sure everything was right, to keep yeah. you all right. They kept you tuned up, they kept you finally and the competition is like at that stage is trying to keep to keep guard dogs on a lead, you know, and to let them off at the right time. It's not easy. You know, you're you're it's it's tough. But they did it and then all of a sudden the plug I, I thought once you were there and it started, I I thought, I prayed once the first boat gets gone, we're safe and then dramatically. But the importance of your win now means that you're you're back training, you're back doing what you have to do. But you know now in your heart and soul that you've stepped on that stage first. You've got that win in emphatic style, and you've made your statement. And that can live with you until the next one. Is that fair to say?
2: Yeah, that'd be fair to say. So, like, one thing that we always do is we won't look two or three fights ahead. So you'll just look at the next person in front of you. So obviously, to win a tournament, or to qualify not if you don't beat the person on front of you that's not gonna happen. But there's no really point in looking at two or three fights down the line. So when we were over there we were only obviously looking at one fight at a time. But back to what you were saying about the about the fun, I thought what they would have done was I thought they were gonna fight her out until everyone was qualified and then scrap her at that. I didn't actually think they were gonna call it the four people were qualified. And yeah, um, looking back on it, I think a few people from other countries did get coronavirus over there. But I think maybe the Croatians, a few of the Croatians at least got did actually end up with coronavirus and a few of the talkers. So it was probably the best. probably was the best choice to call it. at the time they did.
0: Yeah. Absolutely, and uh, it wasn't the case. It wasn't the case of me wishing. That, listen, I can't get enough of this stuff. I mean, the more I see you lads and ladies, the more I see you lads and ladies fighting, the better, and, and it's, it inspires me. And, mm. and what I'm doing, I, I'm doing it from a point of view, and it's, and I'm remembering the days where, where the, the teams of your, uh, would have boxed abroad, and we might have heard maybe something about them coming back, maybe not. We might have heard about it a couple of days now my goal and my aim is just to make sure that no one has to look that it's there whether they want to see it or not they're probably going to hear it anyways and then they can decide yeah, whether they want yeah. to listen to it. Uh, because I believe what you're doing not just not just on the world stage but I believe what you're doing in your communities I believe the fact that kids these are tough times and we've chatted to Niall Kennedy recently Niall tells us about what he sees in, in service and everything else we've seen it ourselves we don't have to go outside on our own So the fact I chatted to your club mate, Pierce O'Leary, I mean, the fact that your community has two fellas like yourselves to be able to look up to, and it's huge, it's huge, and it gives the kids something to aspire to. Is that, does that bring its own pressure?
2: Um, I wouldn't say it brings pressure, but it's probably, I'd never say, see myself as a role model, but it does give you, um. boxing clubs, for any kid, I've that be a boxing club, any club, a football club, a rugby club, anything that has kids um putting their energy into something positive is always gonna bring out a positive outcome. Yeah, if you have kids training three, four nights a week, um, it's only gonna bring bring them something good for them. Um and in terms of boxing it might be a little bit different than other sports, that you have to have that little bit more discipline. Um, I think it does learn you different things than other sports. Obviously, football, car, uh, you're, you're playing as a team, aren't you?
0: Yeah. Um, more places to hide, isn't there? <laughs> yeah. But then, then, in terms of
2: boxing, I suppose you are you a team and you, you learn, you, I suppose you get to know new people. because most of my friends now at run boxing. Um so you do create relationships through that. But then again you're the one that's taking the punches. You're yeah, the you're the other one that has to make the weight. Um you're the one that doesn't have to eat the takeaway when your family's eating takeaway or chocolate when they're there. So it does give a kid that little bit of discipline, that little bit of joy, could probably do a little bit
0: better than life. You're an I suppose you would have done many rounds and Tony Brown has a great way of putting it. It can be cliche, but you know when lads say it, and the way they say it, he says pressure is a privilege, and it comes with it, and it's something that the high performance and the elite unit, I suppose ingraining you guys, that you're representing, and you're doing it almost unknown to yourselves. Ah, yeah,
2: it's probably like, in terms as you said, going back to the last day in the hotel for five nights a week, if they have to go back and just sit in their room and look at four walls, they'll be bored out ahead. So you would have to create a bit of atmosphere in the team. Um, so it just makes, makes life that bit easier and that, to make the point go that bit quicker. Especially when you're abroad, you're in the likes of, as I said, Bulgaria, Germany, anywhere, east and Literally, not a lot to do. It might well create a bit of atmosphere in at the, end of the day and just to make things go away that bit quicker.
0: And tell me this: who is the worst culprit for, for pranks and and uh, acting the maggot and and doing stuff? Because there's a few, yeah. there's a few of these. I think there's a. I'd say say they could safely put up a title for it itself, which could change hands on a regular basis, <laughs> couldn't it?
2: The leave on that John Con and the coach, he's probably a b be. You get a good laugh out John, and, and then as far well as with the Boxers, Wayne Kelly and Paul Walker, they'd be two culprits. Um, they're a good bit of Crackdown fans, so.
0: I've had Kurt on here a couple of times, I haven't got Wayne yet, but my aim is uh, in all this downtime is to get to each of you as many as possible, because I understand yeah. um, some some people but love... Friends, s- they're,
2: they're two great lads on top of their own.
0: Kurt is Curtis uh you in true northern style he's the toughest and he won't mind me saying this, the toughest interview I've done yet. I wasn't long at it and it was like pulling teeth. It was like I was getting yeah, no, I more yeah, um. And then once good. I mentioned <laughs> Chinese food, he opened up like a flower and blossomed and we got we chatted about everything. So we found that we found that common ground and it was great crack and I've been in touch with him regularly ever since. He's a great lad. Yeah,
2: our friends is the ball and they do love like that rope. Um it wouldn't be the best at making weight.
0: It gets a little bit, uh, it gets into Paddy Barnes territory, does it, when it comes to tournament time?
2: Uh, <laughs> actually, you have all been there many of time now, and as far when I was at 75, I would have been at the same boat as the two of them.
0: You tell me this as well, there was a little bit, of, and there's always upheaval, and and there's enough uh, red top rags out there to, to focus on all the downside and the negative, but, I suppose in the run-up to the, in the preparations for what would have been the ultimate countdown was the Olympics, we had, uh, I suppose, Ward finished, turned, moved over and all that, and, and it caused a bit of chopping and changing, so as you said previously, not necessarily this year, but you would have operated at 75, which, that's where, yeah. you, won, that's where you won your senior, isn't it? I won me for at so yeah, 75, yeah. Yeah, and um, you move up then now and you win one at 81, is that, I know it's, to, to people who are running around the sport on a regular basis it's it's oh it's only six kilos or whatever else. But from a from a, your point of view, which is the point of view that counts, how much of a big change is that um,
2: Emmett? Um oh so basically it's changed my life moving up on weight so I was pointing at seventy five. I've been pointing at that weight maybe maybe for seven or eight years I've been at seventy five. And... Um, and it just got to a stage where it was affecting everyday life. Um, I was, I was grown out of the way for, in, in my own head it was still making. so I was probably only, like the training that we do up in the farms was very, very intense. Mm. And then recovery wise, I was always probably only putting about 2,000 calories into your body. So I was, I was just drained. On top of being drained, I was dehydrated. Um, and just even coming home, trying to have a conversation with my family, I was just getting frustrated. I couldn't, I was probably a bad person day around just because the weight was affecting me that much. And then in terms of performance, it was getting to a stage where I was just, I was lethargic. I wasn't training proper. All training was going just to make weight I wasn't actually going to there was nothing technical or nothing learning about boxing It was all basically trying to get down to 75 kilos I was fight at 75 and then I'd grow the ring and i would be 78 kilos
0: After the fight
2: After the fight and then I'd have to make 75 for the next morning so it was just it was just getting too much and then I fought over in Ukraine there, that would have been maybe July of last year. And I won me four still fight, so I was like fight, get out of the ring, seventy eight kilo, lose three kilo, weigh in at seventy five the next morning, get out at seventy eight again. Get out of the ring, train again, make seventy five. And then I got to the third fight and I got dropped in the third fight. I remember just sitting there, sitting with Jimmy after the fight and just like do you know what, I can't do this anymore, I'm melting up. And then just since I melt up, obviously I've got because 'cause I'm the next the next six kilo. I've gotten stronger, but I've put on weight and I've got faster. That's obviously down not being dehydrated and tired. Um family life improved. I'm I'm in college now as well, studying in uh, strength and vision When I was making seventy five I just I was just miles behind them with studying on side, and assigning, even now that's improved. So, just as I said, overall, my life just improved. It's the best, probably the best choice I've ever made.
0: And that was what, in it was within two years, wasn't it, of, of 75 to 81 that you won? No,
2: it was, it was within. I only met, so I won the elite last, it wouldn't be in November. Oh. I won. Yeah, yeah, the two of them
0: were in the Yes, yes, yes,
2: yes. So I, up, I only mailed up to. I, I felt me for tournament that 81 was the elite.
0: That, that, again, for anyone that's not, because it was run because it's Olympic year, it was run twice in the one year, so you yeah. had one year. Yes, of course, of course, there you go.
2: So, so it was only milked up maybe, I'd say three or four months ago, only milked up 81.
0: So you you but were like, basically fighting against your body, battling
2: Yeah, well it's just like, it's just in terms of, if boxing makes me unhappy, if that even even boxing, so, in terms That's of it.
0: in terms of opponents um, Emmett, when you're in the ring with a seventy five, okay, there's none of them are small. So seventy five lad, as you say, when you by the time he gets in there he's probably the same as yourself, seventy eight or thereabouts or more. Yeah. Uh, you're going up then to to the bigger lads again, you're going up to eighty one. what's the most noticeable yeah. difference outside of the obvious? And what would be the things I suppose that would have concerned I mean, when it comes to having people on your side, Jimmy Halpin is, is, I don't mind saying, the best there is out there. He's experienced everything. He's been there with, with the very best. And one of my absolute favourites, I, I just keep saying and I have a picture of the man here over me, and he'll be there for as long as this thing is going, with Darren Sutherland. So he's, a, mm. he's played a key part in him and a key part in you. But what, what are the things that would have most worried Emmett Brennan heading into that 81 division? The, the things that would have been yeah. most worrying?
2: To be honest with you, um. But Jimmy's nothing would the warrior. Second I said I was moving up to eighty one, said yeah, let's go for it. Um and he didn't Jimmy didn't doubt for one second that I was gonna win that league title. So I to be honest with you, in terms of he's technically a very good coach, but in terms of man management and knowing knowing how to treat a boxer and saying the right thing, he never gets a run. So he didn't. He didn't really doubt it. He he just said in terms of physicality, we're gonna to have to put the work in to just build build up to the weight. But I don't think he had any worries me when winning the elite title.
0: I watched, I'm watching a documentary at the moment on Netflix. I'm watching lots of them. <laughs> I'm running out of quality content now at this stage. But um, <coughs> one of the be- I would say the best. Sports documentary I've seen is the Michael Jordan one. It's about um, and it focuses that early in this in this in the series where he was getting muscled out muscled by those Detroit Pistons who are the yeah, i are saying saying
2: it, yeah.
0: Detroit bad boys, where all the bad boy boxers came out of Detroit at that stage as well. But Mm. when you say building up to the weight, I want to I want to try and. Like, for anyone that might be new to it we're talking about in the yeah. clinches we're talking about on the inside we're talking about actually physically moving with a fella so when, when you, but then the amateur as a rule won't let you clinch too long but the cl- clinch can be long enough for, for damage to be done in there can't it? Yeah
2: of course it can but the only thing is so I'm small and blocky now at the weight so I'd be I'd be one of the smaller people and fight at the weight but I'm using that to my advantage now so if there is anything in the centres, I'm the smaller person, so that if anything, I think that works to my advantage because I will have short around punches. That
0: makes sense. It does of course, it does of course, and and um, we 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 can't, I suppose, list the things that we want to list. I can't. I I lo- I'd love to say some of the stuff that goes on. It's like the rock and rugby in the mall, and people say, oh, these are gentlemen. Yeah. We'll just leave that one there, right? Because there's some dark arts that need to be learned. And and if you want to see it, go watch these guys in operation and, and they'll open your eyes because there's so yeah. many layers. There's so much, even for you guys to get to the ring. And I've I i it, I've never, ever anything other than respect and the same whether it's any form of martial arts or combat sport. Just getting in the ring or getting to the octagon or getting to perform. The, the mental battles that you guys are battling, how is that for you, Emmett? Is that something that comes... Is it something you're working on all the time? Is the mental side of it, is, it, is um, it a battle against Emmett as well? Or is it is it, are you just used to doing it at this stage?
2: Well, no. So, for me, well over 100 fights now. So, for me, getting into the ring, it's the same for a footballer, going out to play a football match. A rugby person, you go out and play a rugby match. It's a sport that you, so dedicate your life to. You inspired, probably... Thousands around. You're four hundred around. So it's just another, it's just another fight. And I suppose if you don't have confidence in your own ability going into the ring, then you're probably in the wrong spot. You know, so, I wouldn't say, I don't really get nervous before a fight. I'd be more, I'd I'd say I get more focused and nervous. Um, but I always have 100% confidence that I'm going to win.
0: It's safe to say. Yeah. Um, again, something I'm learning coming around and, and chatting to. I've learned not to try not to do uh, meaningful interviews fight week because I know what you guys. Uh, by and large, everyone is different, but I know what you guys. Mm-hmm. At that point, you're gone in. You're gone inside. You're gone into that shell. You're gone into that cocoon. Not just as mm-hmm. a team. You're gone individually. You go to that place where you you need to be able to focus on you and you need to be able to focus on you up know, left the chance uh, do you think then afterwards is that something the decompression time and this is something here where we're at now the elite performance is a double edged sword because when you're not doing it then it's a, there's, a, there's a risk there and a danger of decompressing and listen I'm going to live for a little. yeah
2: so I suppose at the moment now in terms of obviously where we are we're training with training um, was the only thing we can not do right now is bark. Yeah. We can do everything else. So what we're gonna be working on well, what we are working on now is tactics, so walking basically improving air technique and improving what works for us in the fight. So that's what the phase of training that we're in at the physical performance, you can always get fit. You can always um, what to take two months to get fit for a fight. So at the moment, basically, we're just working on
0: technical uh, stuff. It's like a maintenance. You're you're, um, you're focusing on staying sharp, working on the I suppose the science side of the fight, being able the tactics and stuff. It, do you mind me asking? And feel free to answer this. now, is this is there a plan in place from from the unit? Would you guys have been in touch regularly, and you're a case of of working off stuff, each of you to have a plan?
2: Yeah, we will all, yeah, I won't go into too much, but yeah, we're basically, we are getting kept in good shape. a the the in place for us, Um, as there should be, um, because the sport isn't, it's not stopped, Mm -hmm. you only need four square metres to do a bit of shallow walking, so, yeah.
0: No no yeah. and, and to be honest with you, that's the answer I expected. And and had you said no, I would have been I would have been surprised because listen, again, you guys are the tip of the spear and it's not just in boxing, it's against all the sports that are um grand sports that are representing at the Olympics represent worlds on that yeah. stage. It's what you expect and, and I haven't been lucky enough yet to see the uh, unit, but it's I've seen the photos, I've seen I've spoken to people that are in and around it. It's second to none, isn't it?
2: Yeah. Ah, yeah, the, the facilities we have up there, um, I would say that's probably the tone. Again, we've been abroad, we've been to training camps in other countries, I don't think any country has the same training unit that we have. The facilities out there are, are top-notch, they're unbelievable. And then, on top of that, we probably have the best support team in the world. Yes, Physios, nutritionists, we have everything we need. Sports psychologists, so we're not short sure of anything in that area.
0: And I want to give a little yeah. mention. I want to give a little mention, and, and, I'm, and I don't want to offend anybody by leaving anyone out. But the ones that we're all conscious of, and the ones that are in the front uh, when it comes, well, they're behind you guys every war you go into. Um, there's did. There's a lot more to the likes of Zor, and John Conlon, and Dima than go. I've spoken to a few like the likes of Gronje, spoken to yourself, spoken to a few. John Conlon can be a father figure. He can be a coach. He can be a principal. He can be a psychologist, and all mm-hmm. of those rolled into one. They're they're very special. Those coaches, aren't they? They they're, they go far and above what what anybody really what, what the Joe public or Josephine public would believe or think.
2: Yeah, well, like so, obviously. You're up there. You're training with them every week. You do. You do build a relationship with them. So they do win with you and they lose with you. You know with those because obviously if you lose, boy, you are the straw. They're also the straw, but they are putting, what tens of hours each week into you know, each athlete. And yeah, they you know, they're very. They are very, very good us. So, they, they put a lot of effort into us. And yeah. I suppose even even right now when when we're not in the hyperform that's still putting that
0: No, it's very much a team, and and just because they don't get in the ring and fight, they have their fight. Because when it comes to squad selection, when it comes to when they have a squad select or box offs, and then they have to pit themselves against these these aren't people. That, these are people that are living with you. Then they're in that. They're fighting in the squad making those choices or picking you guys up after, they got to bring you back to the to the locker rooms and then fe- bring out it's not easy for them. So, they might not be in there taking the blows but they're taking a the different kind, aren't
2: they? Yeah, well, they're a big, they're a huge part of the game without them. They come up with the, so they come up with the whole plan. So, yeah, and they come up with the game plan so they're responsible for that as well. But, they do do a great job, and they always have our best interest at heart. So,
0: and tell me this, and, and, and you can answer this what way? Like this is a bit of a this is this is tongue in cheek. Roy and Eric and a few of the lads and Eamon O'Kane in the past, so many super super um, performers and boxers and champions. They didn't give all their coaches the easiest time. What's Emmet like to, to manage? Is he is he easy going? Would, would Jimmy say you're you're giving him grey hairs, or does he have to follow you around? How? How's the your, no.
2: hair? <laughs> In terms of that, I was right now. <laughs> Be in,
0: careful um, now. <laughs>
2: yeah, I'd say right now I'm a bit older, and I was never probably in my early twenties. You yeah, enjoy a party and, and whatnot. But so I probably so I'd say around 25-ish. is when I look. That's late, I know. That's when I probably started taking boxing series, around around three, four years ago um and obviously that's when it started on you know, being relatively successful. Um so Jimmy wouldn't have had too much concern for the last three or four years and then I say the three previous three or four years previous to that was probably in and out of the sport. Um, yeah, so we probably would have given him a few grey hairs then. Yeah, I know. But, but in fairness to Jimmy, um he was the one that got me back into the sport around 24, 25. He said, Come on, give her a, give a one more chance." And so I was, when I did go back. I knew I had to give her everything. So it was no prepared, you know, and all that, all that stuff. I fought for it.
0: I think it does, in as well. And correct me if I'm wrong. And and you can say this with a lot. There's there's so many champions and so many international boxers and and that have won and lost at every level, at, including the highest. They've all had patches where they, and and I think it's because it, where they've they've gone away from the sport for whatever length of time, whether it be for a month, yeah. whether it be for a year, whether it be for six months. But I think that comes from that double edge that I said when when you're decompressing from out that high performance, when you're decompressing from training for a senior title or whatever the case may be, or or sometimes when there's an adversity or a tragedy or a loss, it, it tends to just go. Ah, fuck it, you know what I mean? I'm, gonna, I'm just gonna. I need a way. I need a break from this and. That's where the really, really good coaches tend to say, "There's no point in fighting this. There's no point in trying to pull him back. Let him go for mm. a little bit, and then they'll know."
2: Yeah, well, it's also sometimes a bit away from a sport or an activity, wherever it may be. Where you can do your goals. So in my instance, I was coming back to the sport that I wasn't even out for that long. I was out for maybe a year, or even in, even in that year probably in now the gym doing it by keeping fit but I hadn't fought then when I saw it, when I came back I thought why would I come on back for the gate tournament That's about four years off from now from next month so I came back from that and I won it and then after that I got injured again so I was out for about three or four months and then I said like, you know what if I'm going to go back to this fight I'm gonna give her everything. There's gonna be no messing in between. Um, and looking back, it was probably best the best decision I ever made.
0: You've got the silverware and you've got the you've got the crediting and you've got the rankings now and everything ahead to prove the
2: that yeah, it's not, been a sensation. So it's life price, we, isn't it? Yeah, I suppose if I didn't go back, I'd be I'd be out walking now. The Olympics would be coming up and I'd be thinking to myself, like. That probably, that probably could have been me. You don't really want to have them regret when you finish the sport. You want to really know that you've given everything and look, you weren't good enough, or you didn't get the way you wanted to get. At least you can, you can rest easy you know, and you gave her everything.
0: I'm gonna go against what you said early on, and I'm gonna to, just to, just to finish up on this. I know you guys and girls don't like looking too far ahead. You tend to look at that. Mm-hmm. And, and another super an- analogy that Jerry Hussey used to use was control the controllables. And, and yeah, we're doing. Oh, by looking at your Instagram, knocking out a thousand press ups on on a Saturday, mm-hmm. as yourself and Ray Miled, and that's it. And
2: mm-hmm. we have
0: to give a shout out and we give a mention to P before we finish as well
2: yeah and that as well
0: yeah phenomenal charities who are under as much pressure as and I want to give another a phenomenal athlete and, and um, not a million miles from yourself there, Kelly Harrington posted something really beautiful yesterday, and it just goes to show you that no matter who you are, no matter where you are, we're all feeling that at different times and different days everybody and and, and it's not for me look at it's a post yesterday, but okay, it's a couple of people hospital, and I don't want to go into but just read it, and, and, I've no, I was in the middle the man card on the table for a couple of seconds after I read it, and I just had a little gulp, I thought, no, there you go, you know what I mean, that's what made me any different, none of us in this are any different, are we? No, look, look at
2: the times are in and, um, we've never, we've never, ever been in times that we are now, so, I suppose the message from us just look after each other. So we're all, all in, together, um, and in fact, I suppose if anyone is in a position to help out with charity, if you can donate, you know, share a pay, do a little bit of work for charity, it would, would be greatly appreciated. I think
0: um, we we last. We'll I think we might give I might give Kurt a shout and ask him will he donate the cost of a of a, of a Chinese takeaway or something like that to. Uh, <laughs> Something, <laughs> something like that, because it's it's important as much as it is important to raise it. It's it's equally as important to have a bit of crack over it, and that's what you're seeing. The characters are coming to the fore, really. But um, just to get back to what we're saying, I know you don't like looking too far ahead because it's it's not it's part of what you have to train out of yourselves almost. But <clears> if we were to say for Emmett Brennan, the Olympics now is gone twelve months away. Okay, so you're that's just it's just an adjustment. That's just. Adjusting uh, your your preparation and thoughts and everything else, as you've said already. Get back to the qualifiers, get there, and then deliver as you always do. Can I ask you a little bit, if I'm not being too intrusive, what would be the long term? Would you envisage yourself maybe venturing into the pro ranks, or is that just too far away to even envisage it? Um,
2: I suppose for me, so obviously, as you said, all I'm focused on is the other qualifiers. Um, by now, I just need to, I need to win. Win me four, two, four weeks on a quarter But that is all that only focused on them, and um, getting over the line. I suppose in terms of going professional, it's never been something that, it's never been something that yields the, had huge interest in, I suppose. i have always, it's the program, more of a business and the amateur game is more of a sport is the way I'd look at it um, but I suppose if I was to go professional it would be it. obviously it'd be after the Olympics um, and so I I'm actually on 29 tomorrow so I'll be I'll be 30 by the time the Olympics comes around um, so if I was to go professional at would I would only go if I could get the right fight from from off the bat. So I wouldn't want to be fighting any joint I'd want to be straight in fighting Irish or English people with winning records.
0: Yeah,
2: or so that was not get caught yeah, I'm not wasting yeah. two or three years. Or all, yeah. all that was the professional game doesn't in this And the reason behind that is because it's very, very hard to sell tickets so if I'm at twenty years of age, if I'm I suppose put myself under extreme pressure to sell a hundred tickets and then I'm getting in the ring with I don't know, some fella from Poland or Bulgaria that let's be honest isn't a great fighter. So I basically sold a hundred tickets for a fight that I know I'm gonna win and I can't really see myself doing that.
0: And when you're used to facing fellas of, of higher quality on a regular basis, if you're in a way of test matches and stuff, you're facing fellas that would eat and sleep it would, would just sleep them in a second. So yeah, I know what you're saying i, I understand I, that.
2: I'm, all, yeah, look, I'm only gonna do it if I'm gonna be challenged. And look, if I do go professional, I will I will take fights that to the chance I could lose. Don't
0: doubt I wouldn't. That for a second. I can hear I can hear that same groan you know have in your club mate. A word for Pierce Oleary as well. You've seen him come up through the ranks, and yeah. know, the great Paddy Highland spotted him many, many years ago. I think uh, when he was only a young lad, he's he's something special, isn't he?
2: Yeah, he's um, he's very, very good. and I think tell I mean, maybe gone 20, um, but he has ferocious punching power. And he can very, box very. As well. Yeah, he can box, and um, he's very, very dedicated. Probably. The most important bit of it, and so he said, "When I was twenty, twenty-one, I was I wasn't living the life that he's living."
0: Well, listen, Emmet, happy birthday to you. We'll have this ah, out. We'll probably have it out. You'll be twenty-nine in a day by the time this comes out. But it's been a privilege. <laughs> I've wanted to catch you for a while. I've watched you from. I've been trying to time it right because I know you guys. It's important timing is everything, and your time is very special. <laughs> Yeah, well, appreciate it. Good, good heart. And he's been busying himself, as well as keeping fit and keeping in maintenance mode for the last few days and weeks. He's also been knocking out a thousand press ups in a day, which is more than most have done in their life, probably myself included, uh, for the Irish Cancer Society, which I'll include the link for the fundraiser for themselves and Pieta House in the show notes today. So if you can do anything, if you can give anything in any way, please do. You'll be supporting two great causes and you'll be supporting. One of our great champions as well. So thanks again, Emmett. I think it's important, and I've always thought it's important, that people realise that boxing at that level is not a hobby. It's not a pastime. It's not something you do twice a week to keep the weight off or just to keep fit. It's an absolute obsession. It's all-encompassing lifestyle. And the team are equally as important and have as equally as much of a roller coaster ride as every one of those fighters do. So to John Conland, to Zorantia, to Dima, and all the team that are that that help cocoon our champions. Thank you and congrats and well done and help keeping them strong in these times. It's a credit to you all. It's a very very special team. Is boxing Ireland. Let's watch them, support them, and get behind them all the way to what will now be Beijing 2021. Before I wrap up, episode 104. I want to say a huge thanks once again and I mean a huge, huge thanks and I have a habit of repeating some words when I'm trying to emphasise adjectives to all who have continued to support me to believe, to listen, to contribute in whatever way. Podcasts can grow in many, many different ways but for me, the only way, the best way is together. There's a lot of different ideas out there in the world about boxing. There's a lot of untruths. There's a lot of misnomers. There's a lot of concepts. That every second person you meet is a liar, a snake or a narcissist. And yeah, there are some, without a doubt there are some. And we're coming across them a lot. I've come across a few of them. But thankfully, they are a, they're in such a small minority, they don't really count. And the best way I can put this, without becoming too cliched, is that boxing world really, and the boxing fraternity, they're like a big family. They'll fall out from time to time. Might not get on, mightn't talk might even fight <laughs> such is the nature of the beast but the vast majority of them are real they talk real they live real they are real and most important they recognise real they welcome it and the small percentage that fall into that slippery eel-like category and type eventually they'll slip and slide and slither away because they don't really matter anywhere bear that in mind support your friends support your boxing friends support our boxing family very special and thank you so much again once for, for supporting this podcast and we're not gonna we're gonna branch out a little bit over the next while it's always gonna be Boxing hard, but there's gonna be there's gonna be some different guests as well that's it for me and them until then stay in touch stay real stay safe